welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not-So-Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. This is a show where we cover the basics of a stock for 30 to 45 minutes. I want to be clear who should be listening to this show. If you know this company already, and this is why you're clicking on it, you probably should not be listening because we're going through the basics. And if you already understand it fully, this is not going to add anything extra. But if you don't know the company or any of its financials or how the business actually works, then this is the perfect show for you to introduce it and kind of decide whether you want to research further on your own. The reason we say that is because we've gotten some flack in the past that our work wasn't in-depth enough that's on, the on companies that we're looking at for the first time. Pinterest, which we're talking about today, is a bit of a different one because this is revisited. So we've looked at the company before. We're doing a revisit to see if maybe we're a little more interested. But typically, it's us turning over the rock for the first time. First time looking at a business. Yeah. So I just want anyone listening to understand that uh, so you don't waste your time. All right. Today, we're talking Pinterest. It was Ryan's choice, but I'm sure we've all heard of it before. We covered them a year ago. And the reason we're revisiting them is because their stock, like a lot of NASDAQ stocks, have gone in the tank. But I don't know. Ian, um, you're joining us today. Any, I don't know, any thoughts, first thoughts on Pinterest from as we lead into the show? Um, yeah, well, I would say generally, I like the business. I'm not, I, as a shareholder, I've not liked the returns over the past uh, year or so. But um, I think it's, I think it's one of the, um, maybe this is an overstatement, but I think it's one of the most interesting businesses um, out there right now, just in terms of uh, the type of service it provides. And um, I don't know, I, I'm excited to talk about it today. All right. Yeah, should be a fun one. We're going to introduce the company again. But first, let's talk about our sponsor today, and that is Common Stock. Today's episode is brought to you by Common Stock, a social network for smart money investors. We posted on there before, but I got to say, listeners, hold us to it. We need to post on there more because it is a great place to communicate freely. Well, you can communicate freely in a lot of places, but communicate without the risk of a lot of the trolls that may be out there on Twitter or something like that, where you actually get a genuine conversation pushback. It's not just all sunshine and rainbows. You might get someone critical. It's more like a, say if you've been on value investors, club, it can be a bit like that, but a lot more robust for and it's, investing. Uh, I think it's a lot more thought provoking. Yeah. So common stock really is the home for people that know what they're talking about when they're investing their money. And it's a community of experienced traders and investors that can kind of amplify your insights and different trades that people are making. So the best performers can signal, or excuse me, can identify the signal over the noise. It is a Bloomberg terminal for Main Street. So if you're an individual investor, this is a perfect place for you to find other investors, read analysis, read retail data, get sort of good write-ups from anyone out there that don't exist anywhere else and can be better than the chaotic feeds on Twitter. Markets are evolving, evolving like never before. There's equities, options, cryptos, NFTs. It's hard to know what to buy or sell. So go and read stuff from any of the various different analysts on Common Stock. Visit commonstock.com to join today. That is commonstock.com. The link will be in the show notes if you don't know what it is. Great website. And I believe they have an application as well to check out. Ryan, do you want to introduce Pinterest and any updates, I guess, on the business? Although it seems about the same as where we last checked, right? Yeah, it is very similar. And the last time we looked at Pinterest was April 15th, 2021. So uh, a little over a year ago, we looked at them. So I'm going to, I've put a few of the old notes into the sheet so we can kind of glance back and see what we were thinking then versus now. So we'll kind of talk about that. But from the last time we discussed them, I wrote, Pinterest is a social discovery app that helps people known as pinners find inspiration. The way it works, you set up an account like any social media app, then you use the search bar as a discovery tool, or you can post pins. Uh, You can also create boards, which are kind of like file folders full of different pins. It's really a platform designed for discovery. So the typical search it's category based searches. So let's say I wanted to look up um, home decor ideas 
or uh, apartment uh, decor, something like that. You can get a lot of inspiration for how you should maybe arrange it. Um, beach or house something. Or yeah, beach house. It, the, the offerings go everywhere. It could be men's, women's fashion. I think 70% of the people on Pinterest are female users. So it's more catered to that towards that audience. Um, but Pinterest today pretty much still serves the same exact function as it did a year ago. It hasn't changed too much, although there's stuff in the works that we're about to talk about uh, that could potentially change it, but they generate revenue in basically the same three or four ways. And the first one is ads and they actually break out their own ad inventory into performance-based ad slots and brand ad slots, which I find kind of interesting. And they look like a typical organic pin. So a lot like any other one, but they're paid. Um, and then the brand ads pay per impression and the performance ads pay for typically like conversions. There's and different pricing on them. Is someone promoting their own pin, right? Or is, am I wrong on that? What is performance? The performance. I believe it's the pricing is different and what okay. you are paying for is different. So gotcha. performance, maybe you just want to promote, uh, like maybe Lululemon just wants to promote their brand. That could be a brand ad. Whereas maybe another company is looking for conversions or compression or impressions. Lululemon might've been a bad example for the brand ads, but think a Coca-Cola ad, you're basically just trying to get your brand out there as opposed to other ads or maybe more direct. You're looking for transactions on that one. So they break up the two ad slots and you can pay different pricing for each one. And the second way they make money is through, um, let's say there's a merchant on Pinterest or they have a page on Pinterest and you end up buying something from the merchant and you get there through Pinterest, they get a referral fee essentially for that kind of a commission, but by and large, most of the revenue comes from advertising. Is so that like the Shopify partnership, stuff like that, that they're connecting it through their whatever shopping API. So I think the partner referral fees are actually segmented differently. Um, so some have their own custom websites where it's just the merchant referral. And then there's some where the Shopify themselves, I believe pays the referral. So, because that's being transacted through Shopify, which is a benefit for them, but either way, both those are still small relative to the advertising business. Uh, a little bit about the history though. Pinterest was officially founded in 2010 by Ben Silberman, Evan Sharp, and Paul Ciara. Silberman, uh, who is kind of, uh, known, I guess, as the main founder, attended Yale University, worked at Google in its online advertising division immediately after attending Yale. And apparently he wanted to build something of his own and his girlfriend encouraged him to quit Google and leave. And him and Paul Ciara, who was a college friend, started something called Cold Brew Labs, which is basically just an app development company. And their initial product was a shopping comparison app named Tote. So you could browse apparel and goods from 30 different retailers in a single app. Um, the app ultimately failed, but they learned that a lot of people came to the app simply just to discover new ideas. And then they would send themselves the like shirts they liked or the clothes they liked. They'd send themselves like pictures of it. So that really provoked the idea that maybe there should be an app based around just discovering new items. Um, and so that kind of was the birth idea of Pinterest. And then Paul and Ben quickly came up with a functioning beta, but they had to bring in Evan Sharp, who was apparently responsible for writing most of the code uh, as sort of a third co-founder. And he really fine-tuned the app. And then later in 2010, they officially launched the Pinterest app. It was invite only to start, but they really took off pretty quickly. They've since obviously had a ton of success, more than 400 million users on the platform now. Uh, and they IPO'd in 2019. So they've been public for, I believe, three years. Yep. And they were one of the hottest startups in Silicon Valley. I think, yeah, they're in Silicon Valley in like 2015. People are calling it the next Facebook, all that sort of good stuff. They're saying it was going to be bigger, bigger than Twitter and Snap. Um, they haven't really like fulfilled that as much, but they've grown quite a bit during that time. Um, all the industry and competition, this one's not, I think, as important, except maybe the overall digital ad industry numbers. But you know, Pinterest is in kind of its own unique niche where they're competing in social media a bit, you know, for time spent on stuff like that, but they're all also not a traditional social media site. So I wouldn't say they're competing with Facebook. They're probably competing with Instagram. And now they're increasingly with their video push increase in, in, competing with TikTok. But 
I mean, they're not competing with Twitter, like some of the other messaging stuff they're definitely not competing with. But another industry they're really in is that kind of thing that people used to do at the mall or I don't even know what else, where else we had to get that. Maybe just from regular old TV commercials, finding inspiration for things to buy and do. That's kind of the industry they're in. I know that's a weird industry to describe, but that's really what they're in. Uh, the business model is, though, similar to social media. So it's largely advertising, like Ryan mentioned. Digital advertising is a large market, but the size is, and uh, oh, I said disrupted here. I meant disputed, depending on what research you look at. So it's the one I said last time, I don't know, it said it was like $300 billion, but Statista says $566 billion in spend in 2022. My bet right now would be on the lower end, given how the economy is doing, but that is supposed to grow to $700 billion in digital advertising spend by 2025, and that is in US dollars globally. I'll give a little side note here. If there is actually $700 billion in spending in 2025 on digital advertising, I the market's an incredible bargain right now, but that's another whole discussion. And then competitors, I think I said this last time, but what do you guys, anything changed there? I mean, Instagram yeah. seems number one. Well, um, no, TikTok I, I would say bit. TikTok is number one now that they've named basically highlighted them by name in their earnings release. They say yeah, they're but losing they, users and time spent on the app because of a certain video competitor. Yeah, but Instagram is also a big video competitor too. I would say it's still Instagram. I mean, their new initiative with video definitely is coming after the TikTok. They basically copied that product, right? But I mean, they, they, they basically literally just said TikTok is stealing user time from them. I know, but the, it, yeah, but that's on the edge. I think on the whole... It's still Instagram's kind of a, I don't know. Ian, any thoughts? Yeah, I would say that Instagram, I think, is probably the biggest competitor still just because of how similar some of what they're trying to do is, and especially with some of the shopping features. But that I, I think in terms of like compared to last year, I think TikTok has had the biggest like negative impact on uh, on Pinterest in the last year, just because of how much it's grown and how much time it's stolen. Kind of like you were saying, Brett, that I think, I think TikTok has been the biggest problem for them, but it's not necessarily, um, the biggest competitor, if that makes sense. Okay. And let's move on to management and ownership. I don't think, I don't competition with this stuff is, is hard to describe. So I don't think we need to go through any specific ones like, uh, management ownership though. What are, what are your thoughts on them, Ian? And I guess kind of any info on what they own. Yep. Ben Silverman, as Ryan was saying, is the CEO and was one of the co-founders. He owns about 6% of the shares outstanding. So still a pretty, pretty healthy stake in the company. He's known um, for being fairly, uh, he's not real showy. You know, there's like some of these other social media founders who you see in the news more often or who do like some weird stuff or you know whatever. He's, he seems to fly fairly under the radar from what I've seen. Um, one of the other co-founders, Evan Sharp, left in 2021 to join to join uh former apple uh i think he was apple's design chief joni ives design firm and evan's still on the board and an advisor to pinterest um he doesn't own a ton of stock but he left around the time of the paypal acquisition rumors um when they were being discussed and so there was some speculation that him and silverman may have had a disagreement about whether to be acquired or man um, that they could Looking at the price now, that could have been a nice little exit. <laughs> yeah. So who that's and that's all speculation, but it just it did happen around the same time. And so people were kind of curious about that. Um, Paul Ciara, who was one of the other founders that Ryan was mentioning, he holds about six percent of shares. He left the company in 2012. And so he hasn't really been um, an active part of the company for quite a while, but he still is one of the major shareholders. So that's something to keep in mind. And then maybe the most important thing actually about management and ownership is they have a dual share class structure, which basically gives uh, increased voting rights to the people with uh, the B shares, which is basically all of the insiders. And so both Ben Silverman and Paul Ciara have over 30% of the voting power. I think uh, Ben Silverman was about 37%. Paul was about 32% of the voting power. And so if you're investing in Pinterest, especially, you know, given some of the uh, acquisition rumors recently, the, a lot of that decision is going to be made by a couple of people, basically that Ben Silverman and Paul Ciara are going to have a big say in um, anything that gets voted on by shareholders. Yeah. Paul and Paul's not even associated with, well, it doesn't even work there. That's kind of an interesting situation. I saw in the great write-up 
from, well, they're always great write-ups from mostly borrowed ideas, uh, that premium service. If you're an analyst or a firm, definitely check that out. But there was some anecdotes from stories about how Silverman may be not open to advice from anyone because I think someone was a new executive or someone was in a board meeting. And then he asked Ben afterwards, and this is all he said, she said, but they asked him like, hey, the board didn't ask you any questions. Like, that's weird. Usually they kind of, it's a discussion. And then Silverman said, well, that's because I chose them. So that's not a good sign to me. That was a bit of a red flag seeing that sort of that uh, anecdotal evidence there from his type of mindset as an executive. Again, I didn't hear him say that. That's someone else saying it. But there's also been stuff about workplace harassment and um, shortchanging executives. A lot of women executives got way worse uh, stock option. Um, and that's saying something at Pinterest stock option stuff is quite lucrative, but they got a lot worse uh, packages compared to the uh, male counterparts in the same roles. So I don't know, some stuff that you want with management. But again, like what Ian mentioned, the most important thing is probably that ownership structure. Pluralsight, a tech workforce development company, provides the solutions high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether it's building the skills individuals and teams need to tackle mission-critical projects, driving cloud transformation, or helping software teams to ship reliable, scalable, and secure code. Harness the collective power of hindsight, foresight, and insight with Pluralsight at Pluralsight.com vision. All of devaluation, last time we looked, and this might shock some people given where the market is now, the price to sales in, what was it right? April, 2021? Yeah. April, 2021, price to sales was 26.6. Price to gross profit was 36.4. Um, market cap right now, if we're going to go to the real numbers, is 12.5 billion tickers, P-I-N-S, pretty easy one. And then I'm going to do this a little differently now because I'm going to assume the 50 million in diluted securities plus the 25 million in new RSUs granted eventually get exercised. The market cap is actually $14 billion. Yes, Ryan? Yes, I'm. I would mention the, uh, as, as a reminder, go go through the price to sales today and the price to gross profit so that people don't forget no, what the I'm old gonna, one yeah, is. Patience, know, patience. I'll get to it. All right. We got to get through the first numbers here. Enterprise value today, uh, if you include those dilutive securities, is around $11.3 billion. So they have a lot of cash, and I'm sure Ian will get to that stuff on the balance sheet. Uh, enterprise value to sales today is 4.24, so a lot cheaper than it used to be. Enterprise value to gross profit is 5.3, uh, as you can see, high margins there. And then enterprise value to operating income is 28.7, so still pretty expensive operating income multiple, but they're reinvesting a lot through the income statement right now. And like we probably will talk about near to the end of the show, they are doing a lot of headcount growth. So Ryan want to move into earnings. Yeah, I'm going to go through it one more time just in case people forgot what it was when we first visited Pinterest. Price to sales was 26.6. Today, it's an EV to sales of 4.24. So huge drop. Uh, and then the gross profit multiple is kind of trended pretty much in line with that. Um, but digging into the earnings, this is basically all the earnings that we talked about last time were pretty much a year ago. So the year over year comps are pretty uh, good compared for anyone that's trying to reference the old show. So the first quarter revenue was 575 million. That's up 18% from a year ago and the last time we visited them. The first quarter monthly active users were 433 million. That's down 9%. And then the average revenue per user in total, because they segmented to the Americas and then international, was $1.33 versus $1.04 last year. Then operating income was negative 3.7 million. That actually improved from negative 23 million last year. The free cash flow margin has compressed. So last year it was 55.5%. This most recent quarter was 35.9%. And then here is, I guess, a bit of a concern for me. Um, first of all, I, I'll, I'll just kind of give my take on it. I'm not that concerned about the user decline because they're really at pretty much scale already. I mean, 400 million users is still a lot, 433. Yeah. Should we talk about the robust? Well, finish your point first. But they spent $174 million on sales and marketing this quarter. That's 33% more than they did a year ago. 
and saw the user decline. So I'm curious, I know a lot of that's probably payroll related headcount, but they're spending a ton on marketing and not really reaping the rewards. Yeah, 33% SNM spend, sorry, SNM growth versus 18% revenue growth. Usually that's not a good sign. Here's the question I want to ask on the users though. I think we could hit it now. How is how good or how important is an MAU to them? Like an MAU is someone that during the last month visited the website. Like that's not the same as a Facebook MAU, a Twitter MAU. Right. And I, I think they're way worth way, way less well, than I think a lot they, of the other platforms and they know it, but I'm just that I think people should take that into account with ARPU stuff. Yeah. I think it would be, and this is kind of just subjective, but I think it would be a very small fraction of the time spent on the app versus some of those comps. So Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, you're not spending, I think you're not spending nearly as much time on Pinterest. Well, at least daily. I, have they given out daily or any of some to add and have they given out daily? Do you know you follow them closer? I don't think, I don't think they've given out daily, at least not in a long time if they ha- ever did. Um, but the thing that I think you have to weigh when you're looking at Pinterest is and the Pinterest monthly active users is like Ryan was saying, it's going to have a lower, at least we would expect much lower um, time spent on the app, but also a higher intentionality of time spent on the app for advertisers. And so it's kind of yet to be like the people who are, what I mean by that is the people who are going to Pinterest are generally looking for ideas and ideas of things to buy, whether it's for their house, whether it's beauty products, whether it's um, salon appointments, whether um, it's cooking ideas and recipes so that they would need to buy uh, food or different types of uh, cooking instruments and equipment. So anyways, there's all sorts of things. You're going to the app because you need an idea for something. Um, and so it should, so that should benefit the average revenue per user. But then like you were saying, because they're spending less time on the app, that should be detrimental to average revenue per user. So you've kind of got to figure out where that balance is um, and where Pinterest ultimately comes out on that. Yeah. If they're only spending 30 minutes on it a week, but they end up buying a $600 kayak, that's still quite valuable. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah. Right. right. Balance sheet, Ian, this is a really easy one. So Yeah, this is maybe the cleanest balance sheet we've looked at. Uh, cash of $2.7 billion and no debt on the balance sheet. They've got about $200 million in leases if you include that, but a lot of cash. And I think part of that makes me a little bit less concerned about the sales and marketing expense outpacing revenue. Like you said, that's never a great sign, but right now they've got a lot of cash and they're cash flow positive. And so it's, there's not a whole lot that they have to do with that. Should they be buying back stock? I don't know. That's a tough question uh, this spring. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about I that. I don't think so, okay. but let's talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's for you. Credentials to advance, confidence to stand out in your career. At Regent University, you'll join more than 30,000 world changers making a difference in high demand fields. Pursue your bachelor's, master's, or doctorate online or on campus in Virginia Beach. Your degree from top-ranked Regent University is waiting. So is the world you will elevate. Say yes to your purpose and position yourself for a brighter future. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Regent.edu slash learn more. All right, anecdotal evidence. Ian. Uh, I use it occasionally for some stuff. I've worked on some projects with people. It's generally other people... um, that I use it with that kind of works well sometimes to share ideas and to find, to create a board that multiple people can use to 
like I was working on this movie project one time, people were putting in kind of different design things that they wanted the look and feel of the movie to be like. So those are the places where it's been, um, where I've used it the most. I think it's a good experience. It just isn't something I tend to use very much in my day-to-day life. Right. And that's kind of where everyone gets feels, uh, that a lot of people are in the same boat and that's the big worry. All right. Ryan, any, uh, probably the same as last time, right? Uh, yeah, similar. I, I, I mean, I used it this morning because I was researching the app. I wanted to see if there was any differences. Feels largely the same. I, I have used it for inspiration for different things at different points in the past. So I remember in high school one time I asked somebody to a dance and I wanted to find creative ways to do that. I looked up how to do that on Pinterest, but I've never transacted on there. And I've never, there have been times when I've kind of window shopped on there where I go, all right, that's, that that's sort of an interesting, whether that's like a, a shirt or something I like clothes apparel, I'll take it. It inspires me. And then I'll go off the app and, potentially purchase something. Yeah. It's one of the big conundrums I'm sure we're going to talk about during this future growth opportunity section, but I have nothing, never used it. Um, I tried to see, tweet some out, see if anyone had any thoughts, but FinTwit is not much help. I don't think that's their core audience. Um, so I don't know. I'm a bit in the dark on how the app feels or the website, but let's move to future growth opportunities. Ian, what do you have? I'm going to just say shopping. Generally, I think that's the big wild card with Pinterest is if they can capture more of the dollars and get like transaction fees on the um, shopping that's taking place and capture more of that on the Pinterest platform rather than just rely on uh, advertising revenue. I think that that is the major growth opportunity for them. Um, They say that monthly shoppers spend about two times more on Pinterest than they do on rival platforms. And I think the other piece of this is that APIs are going to be important. There's so much work that's already been done um, for people, like for retailers, they already have all their setups. Like there's a lot of people who aren't going to want to go in and manually add Pinterest as an option. Um, And so if they can build APIs that are really seamless, where it's easy for me to just turn on, you know, the Pinterest shopping link, and I don't have to like go input all my information into Pinterest. It just pulls it from whatever, whatever I'm already selling through, whether it's Shopify or something else. Um, then I think this is, has a higher chance of success. The harder it is for people to set up accounts on, you know, they're set up shopping on Pinterest rather than through Etsy or Shopify or wherever else they're selling. I think the harder it will be, but it seems like Pinterest is well aware of that and is trying to, trying to focus on um, APIs that make that simple and easy, easy to integrate. Do you think shopping, okay. Do you think they should try to make the, say a retailer's homepage or even a small business retailer's homepage more like an Amazon store, not, not look like an Amazon store, but more of like, okay, this is their homepage or whatever. This is their store. It's got a layout and kind of, cause it feels like people don't really, like Ryan mentioned, they don't think about the transaction on Pinterest. So they, do you think they should try to push towards that? Well, that tails right into my future growth opportunity, which is your shop. So that, here's what they said about it in their letter. And it's currently in beta. Um, they said it's a customized shopping page powered oh, by our taste-driven algorithm informed by Pinner's unique preferences and style. So it's a curated list of things for Pinners to buy, essentially trying to be, I would think, like the digital mall. Um they said they continue to also test out their in-house checkout experience. They, I don't think they've rolled it out yet from what I can see. I, I well, once, that's I tried amazing. To visit, how, how have they not done that? I tried to buy <laughs> something and it said basically visit the site. And so like it was like an in-app URL popped up that redirected me to another site. If if they can get that. And okay, I was I thought you might say that. How have they not rolled out the checkout experience? It's very important that they get it right. Yeah, how hard is it? You got three thousand employees. You want it to just be as copy, seamless as literally possible. copy someone else. Just copy someone and, uh, else. I think it's in. I think it's in beta right now. Is what I was reading. And so there's a um, few retailers that I think are using it, but it's not widespread. Look, I just look. The that's a concern for me is just their product rollout pace. Like you look at TikTok, bigger company, probably more employees, but they're running at of sprint speed and. Pinterest product rollout seem to be on a leisurely jog. They're just like, oh, we'll get it to it eventually. And TikTok's eating their lunch. Ian, you got Yeah, I, I will say that Pinterest tends to be fairly, following this company for a couple of years, it tends to be fairly methodical, <laughs> to say the least, in product rollouts. Um, they don't rush into anything. And they seem to do 
and I think this is both a, a pro and a con, but they don't change up the site very much, right? The experience stays pretty similar, which is good for people who, you know, you don't like, it's not like the Snapchat thing where they change up the interface and everybody hates the app for, you know, a couple of months or whatever. They keep it fairly similar, but then they, um, the pace of rollouts is, is pretty slow compared to some yeah. of the other competitors. That's another snap. Yeah. Snap's pace of product rollouts. Well, some of them have been hated are a lot quicker than Pinterest. I guess it is a give and take, but Hey, if Pinterest wants, uh, I wants me to hire me and give me, uh, have me give them ideas of products they've already thought about two years ago, I guess your shop, you know, I, I can give you that idea already, but, um, that seems like, yeah, huge, huge for them. I'll, I'll go to something that they've been highlighting. And that is short form video content. People might be rolling their eyes kind of <laughs> that seems like every company is trying to get into that. Um, YouTube, TikTok, whoever. Uh, they're making a lot of investments here. They're even paying people to post uh, or pinners to post. Uh, I don't know. Is there a difference between the, like, the people that are posting a lot and the, the people that are just visiting? Are they I think all the pinners? posters and the pinners. I think a pinner can be a poster. <laughs> okay. To be clear. <laughs> but I there are less posters than pinners. Okay. All right. All right. I think you can be both, right? I'm confused. I'm confused. Like you can make your own board, but you can also post your own pins. Okay. I'm not really a fan of the nomenclature, but the, it, yeah, it's, you don't have to pick one. It's not like Etsy or something where you have to be either a shopper or seller. Yeah. So they're going into video. Uh, They're seeing, TikTok or whatever and Instagram and now YouTube's been into it too. Video, you know, video idea pins, I guess they're going quickly. They said they grew 15x in Q1 year over year. I don't know what the growth means. I think that just means views most likely or number of ones made. Seems like it'd be a good fit on the platform given it's already visual. Um, but I get a little bit concerned because they're competing with the big dogs, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok on their core competencies. Like if you're gonna look up a product review. Wouldn't you go to YouTube if you're someone like me? And if you're not like that's not Instagram, you might go to Instagram to look for it. TikTok, it'll feed it to you. Does that? I don't know. Does this stuff work? Is it smart? So you, want for this? To, you want them to innovate on product faster, but when they roll it, but out, this is well innovate on shop. No, I mean, <laughs> I just think this one is just going to be a tough, tough market to crack. I think it's scale. just a good adjacency to have as a part of your searches. Yeah, but they're in, no, they're the paying a lot of creators to do it. Like, is the return on that going to be worth it? I don't know. There's competing against the, the huge. There seems like they're fourth in line here. Maybe in fifth to snap. Well, snaps different, I guess. But eh, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a good addition to the platform. Yeah, it's fine. Beyond just pictures. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, highlights and lowlights, Ian. Uh, highlights. I think I'll start with one of the. I think most interesting things about Pinterest is that it's one of only a handful of social media platforms at scale. And so you've got Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Discord. Would you call it, would you call Discord social media? Yeah, more like a messaging. Well, they got big communities on there. But, but it's, it's under 10 probably, at least in the, in the Western world, um, not including some of the international ones, but, um, but you know, it's, it's only, there's only a handful of those out there. And so I think that gives them, um, a lot of optionality, <laughs> honestly, they, there's kind of different direction when you got, you know, that many people on your platform, I think it's almost 350 million now or something, um, total. Let me, I'm going to find that number to make sure, but, um, you know, that, you know, that makes a big, um, that's a big asset, right? To have that many people who actually go to your site every month. It was 433 million uh, worldwide in the last year. And so it's, it's a major platform. Um, the other, another highlight for me is that just the cash balance they have rock solid balance sheet, lots of cash and um, they're cash flow positive. And so we were talking about whether they should buy back stock or not. I'm kind of of the opinion that I don't think the stock is at a place where it's like, dirt cheap. Like I tend to prefer stock buybacks when it's like, oh, this is yielding, you know, this is at an 8% free cash flow yield or a 9% free cash flow yield. And, you know, we don't have anywhere else to invest. And maybe they don't have anywhere else to invest their cash, but it feels like whether that I, I would prefer them to use that cash to 
um, maybe roll out features faster, right? Hire some more people or, um, or make some sort of strategic acquisition. I think I would be um, happy with some of those types of moves rather than buying back stock at this stage. But, you know, and the other thing, honestly, would be just actually roll back. This is going to be one of my low lights is um, stock-based compensation. And I'll let you guys talk about it because I know you guys are going to touch on it too. But I think, honestly, I'd rather them just spend the cash uh, on employees, not give out as much stock, and then not buy back stock. I, I don't always love it when you're like doing all these stock options and then also buying back stock. It just feels inefficient to me. But um, so that's one of my low lights. And then the other low night low light was also one of my highlights, which is optionality. Optionality is great, but it also means that you haven't figured out what your mature business is going to look like. And so I think that's the big question with Pinterest is where does this business end up? What do margins look like at scale? What is that? What is even what's the business model five years from now? Um, is it advertising based? Is it transaction fee based? What's what does it look like? I think is still up in the air. And so just that uncertainty is a little bit of a low light as well. Yeah. Instagram seems to have found so many better profitable products. I don't know. Ryan. I like the fact that they're increasing their revenue on a per user basis and overall. Um, and I think they have pretty much reached scale as he alluded, alluded to, and they have, they've really nailed the inspiration part. It's like the thing you don't know how to search. That's the, that's what you're on Pinterest for. And so they they do a really good job of that. Um, My low lights, however, I just don't think I question their ability to monetize the platform in any like really meaningful way. Similar to Twitter. You kind of in the same boat there. Yeah. 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 You can make that comparison. It's, maybe for different reasons, but I like, I'm just not that. I don't think social commerce is going to work that well in the West. Like in in this, that's basically the play is that there's going to be transactions being done in the app and that becomes a more fruitful place to advertise. And then you also get the transaction volume, which you can have a take rate on. But I, I just think it's like two separate actions. You, you have the, the the inspiration and then you have the direct shopping at least here in the west i know it's apparently different in china but i haven't really seen that change yeah there's the habit of a western shoppers is not to do that so they got to break that habit which will be tough so don't like that and then anytime you're paying we're all going to talk about this but anytime you're paying a comp uh employees with a bunch of stock and then your stock drops 80 percent they're not going to be happy when they get issued the same amount of shares next year for the bonus. So then they just did 25 million more RSUs in April. Exactly. So it's um, that, that there's a huge momentum component involved with that. I I think employee retention is going to be a problem over the next year or so for, for a lot of tech companies. Yeah. Good thing about Pinterest is they have that $2.7 billion in cash, but like Ian said, he kind of, his complaint was, well, let's use it to retain these employees instead of using the stock. Um, anything else, Ryan? No, that's it. Okay. My highlights. The one thing that keeps me attracted to Pinterest is that they are providing, Ian alluded to this at the beginning of the show, they're providing a lot more value than they're taking right now. But like Ryan mentioned, how are they going to capture that value? And the core product seems, it seems slightly differentiated, like hard, pretty hard to replicate. I don't think a direct competitor could really disrupt them. And there is still a lot of potential with these shopping things, but keyword is potential. And then there's also a lot of potential uh, for advertising, just bringing that core product into Europe and other wealthy international markets. It seems like the ARPU should get close to the US ARPU or at least close the gap over time, which is if you look at their going to their shareholder letters and look at those numbers, it is quite different um, more than you would think. Low lights, I don't think the MAUs are really as valuable. I would love to see DAU or WAU weekly active user numbers or time spent on the app. That would maybe mitigate some of my concerns. Like you guys have talked about, they have a stock-based compensation disease. Don't need to go into more of that. And then looking at the income statement, they're hiring on a headcount. We mentioned before, sales and marketing spend is growing faster than revenue. At their certain, at their current gross to pro, excuse me, current EV to gross profit number, 
I'm having a hard time seeing where 20% operating margins come from, um, given that their revenue growth has slowed down. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Like the margins, I don't know. It, it makes me a little bit nervous. Well, if the stock comp were a cash expense, which it could, I don't know, you could almost call it that. At, At this level, well, oh, man. What was their free cash flow margin? It was super high last year, right? And it looks high. Now. 55% in Q1 last year. It was 36% <laughs> this year. But so that's so over funny. the last 12 months, it's uh, around 25%. Okay. And most of that's SBC. And um, yeah, their operating margin, it looks a lot lower. Yeah, they are generating the cash. But yeah, I don't think all of it is SBC, but definitely. Good chunk, a, right? A good chunk, yeah. Yeah. Ah. I think in the last 12 months, it was about uh, 75%, if I'm remembering right. 60 to 70% was uh, of their operating cash. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's a little right there. I just don't know what margins are going to be like. Bull case, uh, Ian, what do you think has to happen here to go right? I think you guys are going to provide some good numbers. So I'm not going to muddy the waters too much with my own, but I will say that if uh, average revenue per user growth continues growing at over 20% uh, Kager, Globally, for an extended period of time, I think there's a path to good returns here. But I think that's what it depends on. Are you, your shareholder? So I've been asking these questions. Are you watching like headcount, like their growth of their headcount? Of when I say headcount, I just mean number of employees. Right. I I think it's not something I watch closely. I'm not too worried about that in the long term because they've got plenty of cash to pay for those expenses now. And I think um, the much more important thing is revenue growth right now. Um, especially it's, it's revenue growth in the short term. And then I think they'll, they can right size eventually if they need to. Okay. Ryan, what's your bull case? Uh, so if they, uh, like, like Ian alluded to, I am just putting some numbers in perspective here. So if they uh, don't grow users and they double their average revenue per user over, let's say the next five years, and they keep their free cash flow margins at about 25%, that would mean $1.3 billion in annual free cash flow. Right now they have $12 billion, I think 12 billion market cap. Um, yeah, 11. If they double ARPU, there's plenty of upside. Yeah, I should reference again in case people didn't hear 11.3 billion EV, enterprise value. Yeah, that, that would be a good return. I think the keys to doing that they have to make the shopping experience truly seamless and keep everything in house. So if you can convert users into transactors, uh, there's a good chance that this will be a good investment. Yep. And what Ryan's mentioning there is global ARPU. So US ARPU may not have as much to grow since they really, again, another, I'm going to make this complaint again. They haven't brought their advertising technology or even the advertising marketplace or whatever you want to call it outside the US, they didn't do it very quickly, which is just confounding to me. But if they can execute on that and close the gap on that and double global ARPU, that equates to about $5 billion in annual revenue in 2026. I'm saying they can do this over about five years and that the current enterprise value, which I'm already including share dilution here, is 11.3 billion. And, you know, the market would probably value this decently higher if they can show that path to operating leverage but you're making a lot of assumptions here. And I think that probably leads into the bear cases. So Ian, what do you think could go wrong with a Pinterest investment at these levels? Yeah, I think the, what can go wrong is the ARPU flatlines. And when you pair that with stagnant user growth, um, the valuation takes a significant hit, right? Even today it's, a, um, you know, it, when valued on free cash flow, it's still not cheap. And when valued on, um, at least compared to the general market, it's not cheap compared to the market. And if you uh, take out stock-based compensation, it looks even more expensive compared to the general market. And so I think if ARPU were to flatline, um, the valuation would take a further hit from here, um, at which point shareholders um, would be clamoring more and more for a takeout, I think. Yeah. I wonder, man, we don't have the numbers, but I wonder what that PayPal takeout number was. It's got to be a lot higher than it is than the market cap is now. Do you remember? Oh, Ian, you were Cheryl. Do you was remember? That, was it? It was at like $80 a share. Okay. And what Wasn't is it right? What is it right now? 20? Uh, I think the Microsoft, Microsoft had a proposed offer back in like February of 2021. I think that was the rumor was that it was like $80 a share. And then PayPal, I think was rumored to be somewhere around 
60 or $65 a share, if I'm remembering correct. Uh, they let Balmer back in the building. What is that? <laughs> What's going on there? Yeah. And it's at $20 a share right now. So yikes. All right, Brian. I, I think if they keep spending a ton on, or they increase their spend on sales and marketing and they're getting declining users, um, it's going to be an uphill battle for them to fight. Probably not going to generate enough cash to create good returns. I think we've seen cash flow margins compress over the last year. Even though I think ARPU growth can uh, is, is going to be sort of the big metric to follow, if you keep having declining users um, and you're spending more on sales and marketing, that's a terrible recipe. They need to right-size users, yeah. Hope, hopefully soon. They, they said this year, but man, or, you're betting on... Or rein in their sales and marketing expenses. Like, what are you spending it on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if they're spending that much and they're only falling 9%, that's really concerning because it makes me feel like it's a very fragile user base that you have to keep getting back. That is a good point. That is a good point. All right. I'll go into my bear case and that is users continue to decline. Uh, and then digital ads also can end up being cyclical. They haven't gone through a real true down business cycle. So the next few years, if that occurs, I'm not saying it will, we'll see what happens. Uh, this will affect Google and Facebook more, but Pinterest is still a part of that. Um, and then the big product initiatives don't gain enough traction where the return on invested capital. And in this case, the invested capital is the headcount growth uh, is not high enough where if they're going to, they, they've been saying this. And the reason I've talked about this a couple of times is they mentioned that we're going to cre- keep growing headcount. Like that's a big thing. We're building out our teams. We're building out our teams. You got to see the revenue growth there. And if you don't, you're not going to make any money in the stock. All right. More or less interested. Well, Ian, we started with you. You're a stockholder. So I guess you are more interested, but I <laughs> sum it up. Why? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm actually going to say one of the things I think that I was wrong about in the last year, which is, kind of looking back over my models, I, I had projected higher uh, ARPU growth over the past year and would have expected that they would have been at higher levels and that would have carried the revenue growth um, to a, a better rate. And part of the reason I was wrong about that is I thought that they were going to roll out uh, this native checkout faster and shopping on the platform faster and that some of that would have been implemented quicker. I think that remains to me the big question is when when does that actually hit the platform? And when it does hit the platform, does it make a meaningful difference? If it doesn't, um, I probably reevaluate my stake in this position. My This position has always been kind of, uh, I've always looked at this, seeing shopping on the platform being the major growth driver going forward. And um, I think that that is the key to my thesis. And it's still, it's just taken longer to play out than I would have anticipated. And uh, that's the big question for me going forward is, is it going to play out at all? Did you, uh, when you're kind of making your projections, did you think users would decline or did you model in user growth? Uh, I modeled uh, basically flat uh, users for, um, for the U.S., um and slightly oh, growing wait. users internationally. <laughs> sorry, so, sorry. I thought you were gonna do it. Inter- sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was like, oh, I thought. Go ahead. Sorry, I shouldn't interrupt it. <laughs> I wanted to hear that last part. What did you say? Yeah. So I I had modeled basically flat for the U.S. and um declining in the or sorry increasing in the rest of the world. Now that was the thing that was slightly concerning in the last uh, quarters. The rest of the world users have um actually declining year over year, um, which it's that, that was something I did not anticipate um, a year ago. Yeah. Looking over people's write-ups like a year ago, they were projecting 750 million MAUs is kind of a ballpark of a lot of people were at. Not, um, not by this year, not by this year. No, I mean like 2028, whatever that um, I wonder what they would change it to now. Yeah. Sounds like everyone would be lower. Ryan, what's your final thoughts? I'm going to go with less interested. I'm definitely more interested than the last time we talked about it, but I'm not, I'm still a little hesitant around the business outlook. Like I, I feel like it's a really hard platform to monetize and I just don't, I don't see a lot of transactions going on within the platform. Yeah. And I think there's a reason they're not giving out a GMV number because it's slower than maybe they thought or yeah. Well, I don't think they have. 
Gym. Yeah, they don't really have. They don't have it. Any, they don't have it yet. Well, you're not shop. You're shopping through redirect uh, links. They redirect. Okay. Yeah. Well, build the checkout. I guess that's what leads it to mind. Less interested. I don't like their product. Um, rollout like their pace of rollouts has been way too slow over the last year. You're not a it's pinner. Like, what? You're not a pinner. No, I'm not saying that as a user. I'm saying that as a potential investor. One year ago, we're basically saying the same thing. It's like, what did they do in the last year? Uh, Get that checkout out, get all that stuff that we've been talking about. Um, SBC, I don't like. And then I also don't think I have a trouble just with social media companies and all these things, given any sort of value of, I would, I would just have a tough time getting the read on those. It's fun to revisit though, because we can look at, all right. Cause last year we said these things need to happen. If they happen, the results could be okay. Nothing, nothing changed. Yeah. I wonder how many businesses are really like that, where if you look back, not a lot's changed. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, it's only been one year granted. So. Yeah. But you look at someone like Instagram who really crushed it with reels. You look at someone like TikTok who is crushing everyone. I mean, even Twitter has had a few products and they've historically been quite poor at that. Um, Snap. I don't follow them closely. Spotify has had a lot of stuff, although they're not as much of a social platform. Yeah, I just I would hope Pinterest can accelerate their product rollout. But again, we don't need to beat a dead horse here. Stock for next week. Ian, it is your turn. What do you got? I'm gonna go with Hershey. I know we talked about it at the round table uh a couple weeks ago. And um I'm a big fan of chocolate, interested in the business. So uh we'll take a look at that one. A little bit of a change up. All right. And everyone has to you have buy- to bring your favorite Hershey <laughs> candy. All right. What about just a big bottle of Hershey chocolate syrup here that I can uh, (laughs) just down while we're doing our episode? Yeah, they own Reese's too. So that's a nice little teaser. Two of the best chocolate brands. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Give us a review on Spotify or Apple if you enjoy the episode. It is really easy to do and the best way you can help the show as a listener. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. However, Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital. Arch Capital clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 